Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Donut Racing Show, everybody, where we bring a... You think you're better than me? Mindset to the superiority complex-laden podium of Formula One racing. My name is Nolan Sykes. I'm joined by my two co-hosts, my favorite auto journalists, Elizabeth Blackstock and Alanis King. How are we? Hi, I'm doing all right. We're doing pretty good. We had the Canadian Grand Prix this week, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. But Alanis, you went to the 24 Hours of Le Mans. How did that go? I did. You know, it was definitely 24 hours. Um, But actually, it's more like 38 hours because what they don't tell you about Le Mans is that it starts at 4 p.m. in France and you have to get to the track at like 9 a.m. So you've already been up for six to eight hours by the time the race starts and then the clock starts and you're like, damn, 24 more hours and then you have traffic on the way out oh my goodness you're up for like almost two full days at that point and you were actually up for that long right you were working on a story where you had to stay up for the whole race right yeah so top gear sent me to lama and i did a story where i stayed up the whole entire race and i had to do an hour by hour update so like I had to put in diary entries, basically, about my deteriorating state as the hours went on. <laughs> I imagine that your uh, your diary just started to look like House of Leaves near the end of the race, yeah. where it's just incomprehensible. It was pretty. It was pretty rough. Um, so at two or three a.m., we went to the campgrounds, but we can't find them. 
So we end up walking for a long time and we eventually see some like tents and stuff. And we were like, oh, we found them. But there was a fence in the way. So we start walking down the fence, feeling for like a break in the fence, basically. Mm -hmm. And so we like slipped through the fence with our backpacks and everything. And that's how you ended up on the Mulsanne Strait with cars (laughs) flying by you. That is exactly it, actually. I actually placed in the 24 Hours of Le Mans because (laughs) I ended up on the Mulsanne Strait. So we go to this campground and there's this camper with like a tarp draped over it that's supposed to be a tent and it's like lit up all these different colors it's all these drunk dudes and they're like you want some beer and they grab like a, a plastic red cup and they like smell it and wash it out <laughs> before offering us beer and they had karaoke so we did hotel california and then we did country roads by john denver and all the other drunk guys so i'm singing with one of the drunk guys who's in his underwear for uh hotel california after hotel california he puts on a bear suit and so we're singing country roads by john denver and the other drunk guys are doing the air horn so they're like wah, wah, wah. <laughs> like as we're doing country roads it was wild. What a melding of genres and cultures. In France, literally in the French countryside. I stopped by Garage 56, which was the giant loud NASCAR car. I still haven't quite recovered, but that that's okay. I'm going to go to the NASCAR race in Nashville in like a day. So the grind never stops. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, it sounds like an amazing time, uh, but I'm glad you made it. And uh, I'll look out for that story. Oh, thank you, Nolan. I appreciate it. Let's talk about the race, yeah? (laughs) It was the Canadian Grand Prix. First, let's talk about qualifying. The day was exciting. It went from wet to dry to wet again for Q3, and we had some interesting things happen on that front row, but we got to get to that in a little bit. We'll start off here with Q1. Uh... It was a weekend of grid penalties, and we saw one of our first ones with Carlos Sainz forcing Pierre Gasly off the track. That meant that Gasly didn't get to Q2. Sainz was later penalized three grid places, so he went from P8 to P11, and understandably, Pierre was a little bit grumpy and came on the radio to say that Carlos, quote, should be banned for such a thing. I'm sorry, this is like really rich coming from the guy with all the penalty points. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like you are like one bad move away from getting nixed from the, the grid for a race, my man. Like, let's tone her back a little bit, at least 20%. But also, Carlos did have multiple issues in practice where he was like so slow in apexes that everyone was like, what is this guy doing? This is so dangerous. So... I guess Pierre had a point, but also, like, maybe maybe perhaps someone else should have said something and not Pierre. I agree. Uh, Zhou Guan Yu was going real, real slow on the track in Q1 and pulled over at turn 7. He did manage to restart his car, uh, but they had to stop the round. Then after the restart, he kind of got to come back out on the grid and give it the old college try, but it didn't really matter. Uh, he was going to be out in Q1. And we had a great situation where your uh, Yuki Sonoda impeded Nico Hulkenberg, and he also was penalized three grid places. That's Sonoda moving from P16 to P19. Oh, uh, big difference. Just, yeah. Bad news bears. <laughs> uh, he also impeded Charles Leclerc, who had a fun radio message about him, too. And I quote, come on, Sonoda. Yeah, Sonoda is quite a d- to be honest. <laughs> Which... <laughs> 
I, you know what? I get it. If I was getting impeded, honestly, I think my words would have been choicier. Uh, I'd be such a hothead out uh, out on me the track. Me too. It would be so embarrassing. You should hear me on the highway. Like I can't even <laughs> do a drive down the road to go to get gas without sounding like I'm cursing someone. So our Q1 folks that got knocked out were Yuki Sonoda, Pierre Gasly, Nick DeVries, Logan Sargent, and Zhou Guan Yu. So Q2 comes around. Lance Stroll, our guy, spins and clips the wall, but he gets going again. He later impedes Esteban Ocon, and he got another three-spot grid penalty. This is like our third three-spot grid penalty of qualifying. This is really rough. So he goes from P13 to P16. I just got to say something here, all right? I have a conspiracy corner, which is that... At this point, no F1 driver actually knows how to race on a circuit within the lines because there's so much runoff at every other track that you get to somewhere like Canada where there's walls and suddenly they just can't do it anymore. Everyone's slowing down in the apexes. Everyone's impeding everyone else because they can't just move way out the way. I think that's fair because the F1 circuit rules, like if you're going to add a new circuit to the calendar, you have to have so much runoff to be considered grade one and to be considered safe enough to run on. You make a good point here. Yeah, I don't even think it's a conspiracy, really. It's just, you know, these guys are so used to the technique of putting two wheels off when you're uh, on corner exit, really, to maximize, you know, exit speed at these older legacy tracks that kind of doesn't work as well. So, yeah. Rain starts up towards the end of Q2, and <laughs> then comes some drama, some Ferrari drama. Oh, so, really? That's weird. What? Uh-huh, yeah. So, Charles Leclerc is on enters, and he gets eliminated in Q2, and he is livid. He tells the team that they gave him not-ready tires, and then when asked about the tires, he said, well, we complicated ourselves. I will be talking to the team because it's been several times now that we've been on the wrong side of tire strategy. Charles Leclerc, I think that is an understatement. <laughs> like, that is an impressive understatement. So end of Q2, we have Charles Leclerc, Sergio Perez, Lance Stroll, Kevin Magnuson, and Valtteri Bottas out because Checo was just not having a good time out there. All right, Q3, it's rain time, baby. All the drivers put on their inters. Uh, Oscar Piastri crashed into a wall, which stopped the session. Uh, it brought out the red flags. Hulkenberg crossed the line just before and landed on the first row in Q3. Of course, we later found out that he sped there, so he got knocked down three grid places, wouldn't you know it? to start P5, but still a very good uh, start for the German driver for Haas. After starting back up, the rain was a raining. So, yeah, what'd you guys think of the qualifying session here? I loved how these penalties were applied because we're just saying, like, most of these were immediately known. They weren't. A lot of these, it was, like, six hours later, and then it was, okay, we finally, like, we knew you were under investigation, but we finally come to a decision. So... Um, that was like 3 a.m. UK time, so no one had any idea what was going on Like when they woke up. Um, I guessed it on the Autosport podcast uh, after the race, and they were like, yeah, I had no clue. Like I put the kids to bed, and then I had to sit up for six more hours to wait for the stewards to come up with a decision, which I think is just great. 
It was really funny because you're right. We had this whole period of time where we had everyone passing around that Nico Hulkenberg apology form meme. And it's basically if you've said something bad about Nico Hulkenberg, you check off what you said that was bad about him and then you apologize. So when he got P2 on the grid, everyone was passing around the apology form. And then he got P2 taken away from him. All right, now let's talk about this race. Um, A lot of miscellaneously fun things happened. We had that wet, dry, wet qualifying, but the race itself was sunny and the tires kept heating up more quickly than expected. About seven laps in, we have our first um, interesting moment where Logan Sargent is told by his team to stop the car. Critical, okay? DNF causes a virtual safety car, He, after the race, is asked about this, and he's like, yeah, I still don't know what the critical issue was. They told me to just stop the car. So who knows what his critical issue was? Standard Williams behavior. Yeah, they had to save some gas for the next race. (laughs) (laughs) Virtual safety car did not last long. It was barely out there. Well, actually, you joke about that, but it might have been something like that where it's like, oh, crap, we have this like component that's about to fail but we could still fix it if we we can salvage it if we don't completely break it. Uh, that's probably what it was. Something like that happening. Nolan, you are not wrong. Lap 12. We have another interesting thing. Max Verstappen comes on the radio and says, I hit a bird. And everybody was like, oh, that's horrible. Like you're kind of out there by yourself. Could you not dodge the bird? <laughs> no, absolutely not. Sometimes the birds get. They get crazy. Sometimes they just go right where they're not supposed to be. It's like a squirrel, like when a squirrel runs across the road and you don't know if the squirrel is going to dart back or not. And you just have to stop the car and wait. My recommendation to Max would have been stop the car and wait for the bird. Mm -hmm. On lap 31, Max complains about his tires. I'm just losing grip with this tire now. His race engineer responds. Yeah, okay, Max. I think we've got that message. Thank you. Just head down. One of my favorite things about F1, anytime a driver says something, I don't know if this is like the fact that these people aren't American and they don't have like weird pleasantries when they don't mean them. But like a driver will say, hey, the car sucks in this way. And the race engineer will be like, "Okay, thanks. Shut up. Yeah. (laughs) And you're like, damn. (laughs) Max later comes on the radio and. Like we've talked about in the past, he was having issues with track limits while leading by like 30 seconds recently. Comes on the radio lap 66, race is almost over, and he goes, I almost knocked myself out on that curb. Ha ha. Those are the bits where you get the humanization of Max Verstappen, where he's still like, he's still going balls to the wall for some reason, despite the fact that he had like, I think it was a nine second lead at that point. Doesn't matter to him. He's just going to keep, just send it. Uh, It And then come on the radio and have a little giggle about it. You know, his pattern this race was just coming on the radio, saying a sentence, and then ending it with ha-ha, but not like ha-ha-ha-ha-ha. It was like like, like, ha-ha. It's a ha-ha. I almost knocked myself out on that curb. (laughs) Ha-ha. That's exactly how it was. It was so weird. Um, So I, I, I love it, man. Like... It is strange how during that like Lewis Hamilton era, Lewis definitely got his fair share of hate, but I think that because of 
Abu Dhabi or uh, Dubai 2021, <laughs> the way that uh, 2021 went down, people are still super sour about Max, myself yeah. included. Um, yeah. You know, they went motor racing, but people like blame Max, I think, fully for that when uh, it wasn't his fault to win like that. So when we get these moments, these frankly endearing moments from Max, you're like, oh, yeah, he's just like this Dutch kid that loves like you can't wait to get home to go eye racing. I think it goes back to again, like people from different countries have different ways of communicating and also people from different like lifestyles have different forms of communicating. So while Texas is all about unnecessary pleasantries, even if you don't mean them, Max is like very straightforward. He's very like says what he thinks. And he also comes from this background of like his dad was mean to him. So sometimes he says wrong things and we hold that against him. But Max is actually like pretty funny. If you talk to him and you have a conversation with him, he's a funny dude. Mm-hmm. I I respect his humor. I, I had a couple of conversations with Max and he was funny as hell. And I was like, wow, I didn't realize you were like a comedian. Nice. Yeah, definitely. Definitely has a, a sense of humor. Another thing that's um, humorous is Ferrari had rough strategy during qualifying, but they got it together for the race, okay? Mm. Even though they didn't pit during the safety car when George Russell rammed the wall, which was a thing that happened, they finished P4 and P5. Wow. Good for them. Charles Leclerc was promised multiple times that Carlos Sainz would not attack him, um, which is really, I feel like that part of me is like, that's kind of weird. I feel like you shouldn't have to say something like that. But at the same time, maybe Charles Leclerc is falling to pieces and we just don't know anything about it. And he probably has, he's just like so sad and worried and stressed about everything. Okay, speaking of pleasantries, though, it's very interesting that as soon as they get in the car, they're like doing politics against each other. But then they get out of the car and Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz have to do goggle games against each other and like be BFFs. Like, that's kind of funny. I really love that. Like, I always wish I could be in their debrief rooms afterward where they have to be professional and like kind with one another. Like, I bet that like the the restrained tension... And those debriefs has to be delicious. Alpine had a tough weekend, mainly Pierre Gasly. We talked about his issue with Carlos Sainz during qualifying, but he also had a pretty bad race. He pitted early and he stayed down in like P18 because of the stop because he lost a bunch of time before the safety car came out. Oh, and then we move on to Haas and Nico Hulkenberg, our hero, our P2 guy. He also had a bad timing with pit stops. He went in just before the safety car and was held back in P15. It was rough. Yikes. Lando Norris. um, He had a rough time, too. Lap 12, he goes under investigation for unsportsmanlike behavior in the pit lane and gets a five-second penalty. Now, this is kind of a doozy, so stick with me. Um, He was out under the safety car, and his team wanted to double stack him and Oscar Piastri Mm. in the pits. Mm -hmm. And he's like, no, no, that's stupid. But when he realizes that they're going to do it anyway, he starts backing up Mm -hmm. and like backing up the pack behind him so that he has space when they pit. And the FIA was like, no, you can't do that. Mm. So 
he got in trouble. I think it's so weird how this was framed and like the terminology they used because could you unsportsmanlike? Yeah, could you not just say something like you weren't five car lengths behind the way you were supposed to be, or you were yes. more than that, or like you broke a technical infringement that we like it's actively set out in the rule book? Unsportsmanlike behavior is so subjective. And then they just pull out this this freaking vague term every now and again. Like, vague, there's your word. There's oh, my, I love that's my word. That's the phrase that pays. Take a drink if you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> but you're right. I feel like even weaselly behavior is better than unsportsmanlike behavior because at least it's more specific. Like, what is what is a sportsman? It's like, you're not being a gentleman. Well, what the, what does that mean? Like, the term gentleman has evolved over time. Perhaps I'm an 1850s gentleman, and you just don't know it. And I'm a 2010s gentleman where I wear a fedora and uh, oh, uh, the lady. love Scott Punk. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh. <clears throat> Fernando Alonso. This man better win a race soon. He comes across the radio on lap 49, and he tells his team... I want to win this race, which is like very valiant. And, you know, it seemed more likely in this race than like a lot of other races, because for a while he was only like three seconds behind Max Verstappen. It's so close. We can taste it and he can taste it. And you know what? If Red Bull didn't exist, we would be watching a Fernando Alonso championship. Oh, for sure. I don't think it's. As close as you're making it out to be. It's close enough. If Max Verstappen hits a larger bird. Yeah. A bigger bird, perhaps, of of the ocean-faring variety on the track. (laughs) It's Canada. Where were the geese? Yeah. So, yeah. It's going to take something big to happen. But not just like Max crashing out, though, is kind of what you're saying, I think. It's like, we just need a bigger mistake or mishap Mm -hmm. from Max. And that margin comes down to a smaller uh, level. Max needs to like go over that curb and actually get too loose one time instead of just saving it and laughing about it on the radio. <sighs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, Whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy 
happy price, price line. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Alex Albon had a surprisingly good race, and I might even go so far as to say he would still be on Red Bull if he had races as good as this back when he was on the team. Oh, interesting. Oof. He was the only person to come out on slicks at the start of Q2 and qualifying, even though everyone else switched, and that helped him in his qualifying. So even though he didn't set a time in Q3 before the red flag, it was still a good move, and it got him pretty good track position. He also took on a one-stop pit strategy by pitting on lap 12 when he switched from mediums to hards, and he just kept motoring up the grid as everyone else opted for second pit stops. He showed how he could manage those tires and make them last for the whole race while other people were not in that same position. It was a ballsy move, Mm -hmm. uh, and the the stars just aligned for it to work out for him. If it was a lesser driver, it probably would not have worked as well. No, he's the king of one-stop races. He is. Like, this dude loves to just stay out there. He even made it all the way up to P6, but Sergio Perez did end up passing him. However, Albon was able to hold off plenty of other strong competitors like George Russell, Esteban Ocon, and Lando Norris. When he was asked afterward if he was pleased with the result, Albon said, It was great. It was super. It was more than I expected, of course. It was stressful as well, I have to say. I don't enjoy those races, but the team love putting me in those situations. And he loves handling them like a champion. Uh, I I love that, that mindset. So Williams, part of that success was that Williams brought an upgrade package to Montreal. Uh, and Albon got it, but Logan Sargent did not. Mm. And maybe, perhaps, if Logan Sargent had got it, he wouldn't have had to retire the car. Who knows? But after the race, Williams actually passed Alpha Tauri to take P9 in the World Constructors Championship. Wow. All right. Oof. You have to imagine being Alpha Tauri right now. That hurts. I don't want to. I don't want to imagine no, that. No, me neither. It's bad news bears. That sounds horrible. Seriously amazing drive from Alex. Uh, that it was a like he had a train behind him for many laps and i was like there's no way he can keep this up you know once one person passes him all of them are going to pass him like this is a valiant effort but then he hit, he was able to hold on even in uh getting chased down uh with like DRS from Esteban Ocon he was still able to hold him off which was insanely impressive alex has got the juice we know this we've said this <laughs> it's Great the blonde stuff. hair maybe is the blonde hair <laughs> Mercedes also had some good stuff and some not so good stuff. Let's start with Lewis. He had a really great day. Uh, basically, the the highlight of the race, I think, for me and I think for many other people watching him, uh, his battle with Fernando Alonso. Lewis got out at the start, and then both of them came in for a pit stop around uh, lap twelve. Alonso nearly rammed him on the pit exit. It was almost an unsafe release it was unsafe release territory i think from mercedes mm-hmm. he like came out just in front of alonso i thought he was going to get penalized for sure uh but the stewards fortunately claimed that there was no further action needed after review i think if you're both world champions you kind of get some leeway 
when it comes yeah. to stuff like that because you've proven that you know how to race well yeah. so it wasn't like this was something stupid there's like 30 years of experience between them uh, i just think it's so funny when lewis has like an unsafe release or something like that because lewis is one of my favorite lines is was when lewis comes on the radio and he's like they just did that so dangerously because he loves so to come on the radio and he's like, they just rejoined the track so dangerously. Mm-hmm. They just exited the pit so dangerously. They just did this so dangerously. It's and a little like, dramatic. Lewis, the tables have turned. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, around lap 22, Alonzo caught up with Hamilton once more. And, uh, you know, I was hoping he'd be able to hold old Ferdy off, but... Ferdy! <laughs> Ferdy passed him a lap later. (laughs) Lap 48, Alonzo made a mistake into turn eight, which allowed Hamilton to cut two seconds out of Alonzo's lead. It was looking good for the Brit, but by lap 61, the gap between the two was 1.4 seconds. And two laps later, Alonzo is told that Hamilton is 1.9 seconds behind and replies, copy, leave it to me. Pulled out a few more tenths from that Aston Martin built that lead up and Lewis was unfortunately unable to pass Fernando for second place, but seriously, pretty good battle. I was kind of hoping for some more close quarters combat between the two, uh, in those two cars would have been pretty cool, but Lewis was just never able to get within a one second, uh, you know, uh, distance of Fernando. And, and, uh, we, we didn't have quite the world championship battle that we were hoping for, but still pretty fun to watch. Good tension. So, good day Mm. for Lewis. Uh, Not such a great day for George. Uh, Within five laps, George Russell came on the radio, said, uh, quote, give me feedback on strategy as soon as possible. This just seems like something you would have talked about, like, before the race, (laughs) like, five laps ago. (laughs) George, baby, do less. Do a little less. George, just drive. (laughs) Yeah. uh, And then... Russell hit the wall around lap 12 at turn 9. He took too much curb and damaged his rear end and punctured his right rear tire. Same curb that Max would later have some issues with, uh, but did not have the same result. Russell bring, bring the car. Brang. Is that, not, is that even a word? I brang it. Is brang right? No, no. brought is the proper. No. Damn it. I brang it. George brang his car. Like something I would say. I know. Uh, George brang his car into the pits. Uh, they had a long pit stop to kind of check over the car, make sure it was good, replaced uh, replace some parts. Uh, <laughs> now Nolan's just making fun of me. And uh, yeah, that was under the safety car, though, so he went back out. By lap 32, he was stuck behind almost everyone running in P17 on Forch. And uh, lap 55, his brake wear was too high, and uh, Mercedes called George to retire the car. There was some damage to his brake ducts when he hit the wall, which was leading to some cooling issues. He's overheating those brakes. They weren't as effective, and uh, Mercedes just said, hey, it's probably just better for us to bring the car in go home. and go home rather than do the rest of the race. And uh, yeah, not the best day for George Russell. The season continues of mixed results for the Brit. You have to imagine that he is going to use his summer break to go to a beach somewhere in some flip-flops mm. and the most divorced dad outfit Oh, my ever. God. Speaking of which, uh, Chloe, my fiance, bought me some... She got me some, uh, some clothes from Abercrombie because they were on sale. 
And uh, I feel like I'm gonna have a I'm about to have a George Russell summer myself. <laughs> yeah. Okay, it's be good. so you're gonna be in the divorced dad outfit. I cannot wait uh, to see yeah. these colonial fits. Oh. Do you have some sandals and particularly long feet? No, by but I have Crocs. I do have Crocs. I don't think George would ever be caught dead in Crocs. I don't Crocs, think he would be caught dead in Crocs. But they is are what comfortable. I was about to say. They are very comfy, I will say. But anyway, uh, yeah. Mixed bag for Mercedes this weekend. But I do think they'll be able to bounce back. It was a good one. To sum everything up, the podium was Max Verstappen, who earned Red Bull's 100th race win, then Fernando Alonso and Lewis Hamilton in third. There was a double Ferrari with Charles Leclerc followed by Carlos Sainz in fourth and fifth, then Sergio Perez and Alex Albon. Finally, to round out the top ten, we had Stevie Ocon, who had a rear wing that was like twerking its way to the finish. Oh, Lynched. yeah. It was a mess. Mm. It was it a was, mess. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they could add that to that. You know how there's that uh, there's that gift that has a bunch of things wiggling? You know, like there's a cat going. Oh, like, yeah, the cat. There's like Shaq going do 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 do. There's a top field dragster going do 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 do. They could add that to that uh, that gift. That's a good one. If anyone out there knows how to do edits, please make us that so we can use that forever. In ninth, that. in ninth place, we had Lance Stroll and Valtteri Bottas was tenth with the final point. Which it was a good top ten. That was it was it was fun. I wasn't expecting as many shenanigans as we got. I had a good time watching it. It wasn't insanely exciting because uh, Max was dominating once again. But I always like watching Canada. I think it's a great track and always has some good racing. I think. And the fastest lap of the day went to Sergio Perez. He got something out of this. Good Ugh. for him. Driver of the day, Alex Albon, and our DNFs were. Sunglasses enthusiast Logan Sargent and rich stepdad George Russell. Maybe Nolan will join those ranks soon. Oh, yeah. I got to get some prescription sunglasses. <laughs> and then we had another interesting layer of this race, which was the secondary broadcast. Yes. The grandstand with Daniel Ricardo and Will Arnett. I have some thoughts on this. I will say that I did not watch the entire broadcast. However, I did watched the race start, and then realized I was not going to get anything out of the race if I continued to watch said broadcast. Very curious. Why is that? So the premise here is that it's Will Arnett and Daniel Ricardo just kind of commenting on what happens in the race, which turned into a lot of very long gaps in conversation as they just looked at stuff and then said, oh, yeah, wow. Oh, that was a start. <laughs> no. Like, no. It, it wasn't great. Um, they had Sean Kelly, who you might know as Virtual Statman on Twitter. Sean's joined, the best. Hi, Sean. Sean is wonderful. Uh, he joined as a kind of a grounding force uh, to give more facts, context, and stats. However, it was just too all over the dang place. Um, hmm. This broadcast, this grandstand, uh, has two overarching themes we've seen in F1 as it has tried to kind of break into America. And these are two things that I think F1 and a lot of other sports franchises around the world are doing wrong. Uh, the first being that there's like this recent push to just get big name celebrities to do things and then assume that that will generate views and content. And there's no hook to this other than like Drive to Survive favorite Daniel Ricardo and newly made F1 fan plus celebrity Will Arnett watch an F1 race together. It wasn't even like two buddies watching a race where there's banter, which mm -hmm. could have been interesting. 
it just kind of felt like two low-profile Twitch streamers got together for the first time ever <laughs> and had a co-broadcast with no idea what to do. I think if they had someone more knowledgeable that could have grounded them and led the broadcast, it would have been a lot more interesting, but... F1 is absolutely attempting to um, just take advantage of the fact that these are big names that they want and somehow think things will come organically out of that, which is not necessarily the case. And my second point of that is F1 just has no clue about what the Americans want. It sees this massive untapped market, and instead of finding a way to meaningfully, meaningfully engage, it just kind of cobbles together some names that individually work and then hope that together it will do something without actually ever practicing. It's like peanut butter and pickles. Like those two things rule on their own. But if you tried to put them together, you just committed a culinary travesty. Part of that, I think, ties back to what I said before. You just put names together and hope that it will create a cultural phenomenon. But F1 also just has no clue what America wants. And its current strategy generally seems to be find a big name and run with it to make as much money as possible. It's how we end up with something like Vegas that does not matter contextually within F1 in America. It's just another high dollar VIP event that you could have somewhere else like Macau, except America is just where we're making the money right now, which... It's fine. Um, I think the grandstand has potential to be fun and interesting. It was just F1 seemingly brought this out of nowhere. Um, and it would require slightly more on the ground cultural research to actually make us care about it. We will be seeing the grandstand happening multiple times throughout the season. They had Canada. It's coming back for Coda and then Las Vegas. So this is their first shot. I will not be too hard on them. Perhaps they will take some criticism and, and move forward with something a little bit more cohesive. But also, it was painful. Yeah, you know, I um I don't want to harp on them too hard either because, like you said, it is the first time they're doing this. And first episodes of anything are going to be really rough. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> just listen to this show. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so from a, 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 a critical or, uh, you know, a critical view, I guess. Like, it just sounds like they need a third person, maybe on the broadcast, who can bridge the gap between. You know, you got your dent, you have your driver in Daniel Ricardo, and then you have your funny man in Will Arnett. We need someone kind of in the middle, maybe someone with broadcasting experience who can give commentary during the race just so there's somebody talking at all times rather than having these weird awkward pauses i did watch some of the grandstand back on youtube last night because i was just curious as to what it was like and i was like this is what was this was on tv i don't think it needs big fixes for it to work it just needs a little adjustment adding someone like a lee diffie or someone uh, someone with commentating and f1 knowledge experience you know uh to bridge that gap between the two other personalities who are going to be the stars of the show this third person this uh straight man if you will is just there to keep the show going and not take attention away from the guys that the people are coming to see so i think there's an inherent strategy issue with this i did not watch the broadcast but I think especially in motorsports, there are inherent strategy issues with growing the audience versus cannibalizing your own audience. So take, for example, Garage 56 happened at Le Mans. There was a separate Garage 56 account, which I do understand because it's a whole it's a whole thing. But if we had the ability to just create like a Garage 56 tab on the original NASCAR account, that I think would be so much better for growing your existing audience. I think the grandstand is going on during the race broadcast. So instead of building the core base, 
you are taking away from it to go watch this other broadcast that has its own flaws when you would probably be better served doing this as a different piece of content that complements the broadcast, not takes away from it, like all these movie Twitter accounts or anything like that. You're pulling people away from the main thing. And I think that is a strategy issue. So, uh, Liz, for this broadcast, was it kind of like the Nickelodeon NFL games where it's like you're still seeing the race broadcast, but just has different. Okay. Yes. So you've got the race, but it's framed in kind of a frame to show you that it's its own thing. But then they have a view of Daniel Ricardo and then one of Will Arnett. So they're not even in the same place. And I think part of the issue that, that was kind of strange. Yeah. Yeah. Part of that issue was that there seemed maybe to be some lag between the two of them in yep. terms of like the Internet connection. But there was also just this lag and like they were seeing something, processing it and then saying things where you just you needed someone to say something like it's I don't want to I don't yeah. want to watch a race start in complete silence. I'm trying to see what's happening, understand what's going on. And they had nothing to it's say. It's kind of like when you have uh, like a, a Netflix watch party or something back in 2020 where you're just like <laughs> on FaceTime watching something yeah. with your boyfriend or whatever. And you're like, mm-hmm. oh, ha. You know, yeah. like had that same kind of energy. You know who would be a good addition? I think is Jared DeAnda. He's the uh, commentator for like a bunch of extreme sports here in the U.S. If you watch mm-hmm. Formula D, you know his voice. He's been doing that for a long time. I think someone like him in the booth, uh, just giving the the sports commentary. I think I think honestly, he would be a great addition to this team. Yeah. You could do this by having it as a supplemental broadcast on a different format. So people have the the race broadcast on TV and maybe Daniel Ricardo and Will Arnett are like on Twitch or on Twitter spaces, Instagram Live, TikTok. You can broadcast to like a million platforms at once and people just have their phones up listening to Daniel and Will say random things at random intervals while they're actually listening to the like stats oriented F1 broadcast on the TV. Because the thing about the F1 broadcast is you not only have people talking, you have all the support staff collecting data and stats and information and radio messages from teams and everything like that. You have so much information on this broadcast that Daniel and Will are supplemental. So why not put them on a different device So people can listen on whatever social accounts you're trying to grow at the moment, put them on all of those social accounts, live streams, make money from it and roll with it that way. Yeah, that's an interesting idea as well. I also think there's a lot of value in having this be kind of a post-race show so that they're not commenting on a whole 90-minute broadcast and instead it's like, here's the highlights, here's the interesting stuff, here's what we want to talk about. And Um, they have more time to prepare. Exactly. That's definitely yeah. a, a, a good idea. <laughs> All right. Well, that was the grandstand. But now it's time for us to grandstand ourselves a little bit. That's right. It's Boyfriend of the Week. It's our weekly segment where we choose who's the best. And, you know, it's middle school rules. It's for the week only. I'm going to lead us off, I Ooh. think. Oh, with okay. Uh, uh, maybe because I want to steal everyone else's Boyfriend of the Week this week. You know I'm going to say it. You know who it is. Oh, no. It's Alex Albon. Great performance from the Brit. I truly cannot believe he was able to hold everyone off for that long. Uh, amazing drive from our man. Great job, Alex. You're my boyfriend of the week. 
I love that Nolan always picks like the really obvious one. And he's like, if either of you get lazy, <laughs> no, you can't. Because I'm going to swoop Because I'm going to be lazy first. <laughs> and I'm going to take it. Elizabeth, who is your boyfriend of the week? My boyfriend of the week are the F1 stewards. Because, oh, okay. Because okay. I thought... It, all right, we, we've all established that I am not a Nico Hulkenberg fan, but my choice here is not just because I don't like Nico, but be think, because I think it is horrifyingly funny how bad his luck is. Uh, like, this guy had a solid six hours to celebrate his front row start before the stewards finally got around to deciding something that probably honestly should have been decided by an immediate, like, timing issue. <laughs> uh I think that I just thought it was really funny. Like, I was like, just hold on a second. Like, Nico's got P2, but I bet he's not going to keep P2. Sure enough, the stewards swooped in and they were like, you're right, Elizabeth. He's not going to keep P2. It's like a wild animal playing with their food before they eat it. It is. Just give Nico some time yeah. to enjoy himself. Yeah. And then rip all of his joy away. Yeah. I thought it was funny. I thought it was just delightful that they had to take six hours. Like, they had to go, like, have a dinner break and then, like, <laughs> some drinks and then relax a little bit and then come back and convene. I appreciate it. Thank you for keeping us on edge, F1 stewards. It was terrible. You're my boyfriend of the week. Oh, okay. Mine is really out there. Oh, boy. Are y'all ready? Yeah. I'm prepared. The New York Post staffer who wrote this headline, Hot phobia is real. I know because I'm a victim of it because this is now what I'm going to post every single time Charles Leclerc has an issue with Ferrari. <laughs> it's going to be my new meme because it's so funny. I cannot believe someone published this as a headline. I could not believe it was real. And it is the perfect meme for Ferrari bringing out three tires in a pit stop. Not often do memes fall in your lap like this. There you go. I mean, he is a good-looking guy. Thank you so much for listening to the Donut Racing Show. We will be back next week with a lot of things to talk about. In the meantime, make sure to subscribe and tell all your friends to tune in to the Donut Racing Show. And if you want to leave us a five-star and kindly worded review, it really helps us out. Plus, we also have an email address now, so please get in touch. Here's an email we just got from Amber from Paso how do you say this, Nolan? Paso, Paso Robles. Paso What's Robles. up? The 805, 10 yeah. minutes from my parents' house, was just in Tin City this weekend in Paso Robles. So, wow, let's hear this. Nolan has a lot of hometown pride here. I he do. Does. I mean, I was just there. Paso, you know, you guys are my rivals. I'm from Atascadero, but I, I, like, <laughs> I like Paso. I like Paso. Okay, go ahead. Amber says, hey there, guys, just wanted to say that I look forward to the show every week now and have become quite the recent fan. I started listening to Pass Gas, then found the Donut Racing Show, which has single-handedly got me watching F1. I now wake up to watch all the races and qualifying and patiently wait for the next podcast to listen to you guys chat all about it. Just wanted to say you got another girl into racing and appreciate all you do. P.S. I agree with Nolan in the fact that Shrek 2 is the best one. Oh, Paso is moving on up in my book. <laughs> uh, thank you, Amber. Wow. Uh, great email. This is the best email I've ever read on any show. <laughs> <laughs> Nolan's entire platform is just Shrek 2 propaganda. Well, yeah, well okay, go rewatch it. How about that? Uh, wow. Thank you so much. Love it. 
shouts out to the 805. If you're not familiar with Donut, we have a YouTube channel as well as an automotive history podcast called Past Gas. Check those out. Follow DRS on Twitter at uh, Donut Racing Show and email us at DonutRacingShow at DonutMedia.com. You can follow Alanis at Alanis and King on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow Liz at Eliz underscore Blackstock on Twitter and Eliza Blackstock on IG. Follow me at Nolan J. Sykes on both. I just got a new camera, so I'm going to be trying to post some reels here in the near future once oh. I can figure out how to do some editing. So make sure you keep an eye out for that. Uh, that yeah. is so exciting, Nolan. I'm so excited. It's going to make Good some for content. You. More content for free. It's going to be great. Incredible. Everyone, check out Nolan. Check us out next week. We will see you around. Bye. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that. And find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly. Which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.